0: Welcome to Two Crazy Scoops Podcast Season 4 with your hosts A.O. and Antino. This week we've got a lot of fun topics to talk about like air traffic controlling and cars. Amongst many other things as usual. So uh, we're here with Aaron and uh, Chris and Bray. How's everybody doing today? We're on Season 4 now, Two Crazy Scoops back at it
1: season four wow good job Uh, i'm chris uh for those listening uh chattanooga tennessee resident detroit native i'm an air traffic controller uh and a pretty big gearhead
2: i'm bray i live in king of prussia pennsylvania not too well known of a city but uh it's about 35 minutes outside of philadelphia um i'm in marketing and sales with a family business of nutrition and wellness and i also have a side business where i broker luxury automotive deals so cars are like a major passion for me and uh happy to be here with you guys
0: well thanks for joining us yeah i'm antonio and i know nothing about cars
3: And neither do I. So this is this is perfect, and this is why, uh, as we mentioned to y'all before, why we wanted y'all on because this is a topic that neither one of us know much about, except for maybe Tesla's, but that's a whole different story, sort of, and we'll we'll get into that uh, for sure. But um, so. Before we before we get into the our main topics, which is obviously cars and and we we have a couple of icebreaker questions first. Then we'll get into cars, and then we actually have some uh questions from the audience as well. Um because they have uh air traffic, whatever switch. Oh boy. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> By the way, what? Um. Well, let's do icebreakers first, and then we'll now then come back around. I'll circle back around to find out how you got into that.
0: I've got one real. All quick. right.
3: So, oh, you got you got one.
0: Is the Philly cheesesteak really oh. everything that everyone says it is, or is it just hype?
2: Good question. Good question. It is everything that everybody hypes <laughs> it up to be, but, 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 but it's very controversial as to where you get it. Okay. So everyone has their favorite place to go to, but it is not made the same in various parts of the city. So you would imagine it would be some continuity, you know, throughout the city, but it depends on where you go as to how, you know, it's made, if it's really authentic.
0: So I know like with New York pizza, people have this uh, idea that it's possibly the water that has uh, the changes the taste or something like that. Is does that have any play in a a cheesesteak or not?
2: Interesting. So I would have to say it would be more so like the cuts of meat as well as how greasy it is, (laughs) because it's definitely not a sandwich that is easy to eat, you know, or like meat. You want to make sure that, you know, it's not um, that you don't have on a whole white outfit when you're eating it. But um, some places will pass off a Philly cheesesteak and they'll have like chopped up sirloin like cube steak and that's the furthest thing from a philly cheesesteak so yeah
0: yeah we have a philly cheesesteak place here i went once but i was um i mean it's pretty far away from philadelphia i would imagine it's kind of transitioned to
3: (laughs) wait what what place are you talking about
0: uh there's a place on a uh, speedway and Colb. philly's finest i believe it's called
3: oh okay okay i've never been there I thought you were talking about Charlie Steakery for a second. I was about to say, like, dude, that is so far from what a real cheesesteak is. <laughs> Wait. So Chris, have you ever had a Philly cheesesteak before? I have. I have what did you what did you think? I loved it. Um
1: personally, I like I'm not big into like onions and green peppers. So it, it was like have to step outside of my box a little bit to enjoy an authentic one, but it was still dope.
2: Okay. All awesome. Right. It's funny because I've lived in different places, especially like um, going down South. And so when I lived in Virginia, like they were, I'll say a, a major offender of how bad they did of making a Philly cheese <laughs> steak because they, again, they did the cube steak and, um, and honestly peppers isn't something that's traditional in a cheese. Oh, steak. Okay. Yeah. Like green peppers. I mean, so you might get uh, sweet peppers added in or like banana peppers just for that spice, but um, green peppers isn't something traditional. It's normally like meat, cheese, fried onions, uh, salt, pepper, ketchup. Some people do mayonnaise, but that's typical. You know, then you've got like the cheesesteak hoagie, where they'll add like lettuce and tomato. Um, you gotcha. know, then you got pizza steaks and different variations, but um, yeah, it's like typical. It's like thinly sliced meat. You know, it could be chicken or beef, but it's very thinly sliced. The onions are chopped up really well. And um, and it's on of Amorosa roll. So that's a bread company that you can only get in Philly. And uh, the bread is done fresh. And like all the local places, like corner stores, they'll grab those rolls and make the steaks. and It's pretty good. Okay.
3: Yeah, you know, it's so funny. The first time I had one, I, I think you actually took me to get the first cheesesteak that I had. And I don't remember the place okay. that we went to. I know it just it looked very plain on the outside. But what was funny about that is that I remember when we went, um, the, I'm trying to remember I had already eaten before that. So I said, well, you know what? I'll just get a bite or so, you know, and I'll eat it and then I'll reheat it or whatever. But I ate the whole thing. I literally could not (laughs) stop eating it. That's how good it was. I was like, man. And I had just eaten too. I was like, I am stuffed, but this was so good. So I don't know where you took me, but wherever it was, that was, yeah. It's
2: dangerous. I, I'm glad I don't live near there. I'd be interested to know where it was at that time because it's been some time. But um, It
3: has been some time, yeah. So yeah. we, um, yeah, it's crazy, which we'll, we'll come back to that too. Um, all right, so here's, here's my icebreaker question. Um, so <clears throat> between the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, which decade do you love the most and why? It depends on what we're talking about. Yeah, Oh
4: yeah. yeah <laughs> it really yeah. depends, depends on what. We're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, that,
1: that's a wide <laughs> question. <Area. laughs> um like because if you're talking cars then 60s like by far. But if you're talking music then I got to go 90s. I mean, it Okay, so why
3: cars from the 60s?
1: Muscle cars.
3: Okay.
1: I mean, you got your GTOs, your your Barracudas, your Chargers, your Challengers, your, you know, Mustangs. Like, those are, like, the top-notch muscle cars. That started the era of people, you know, doing what I like to do best.
3: Okay. gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense.
4: What so
3: about when it cars- comes to movies? Ooh.
1: Movies? I'd probably have to give it to the 80s. I mean, you got the final two Star Wars, you got okay. of the like the original Star Wars, right. you got yeah. mm-hmm. um Back to the Future, Indiana Jones,
4: mm.
1: I mean just those classic movies, like the Goonies, all those movies that we oh, grew yeah. up on that we can still watch over and over and
3: over again. They're all 80s movies. Yeah, that's so true. By the way, I just want to throw this out there that Bray is in the same age as us, so I'm glad that you said that we remember from the 80s because <laughs> he, he don't look like it, but he's around the same as us. So,
2: <laughs> so he knows exactly what you're talking about. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I hope we remain friends beyond this. I'm going to go with the 90s. The <laughs> oh, 90s, okay. okay. So um, for me... Uh, I mean, I can appreciate a lot of things about the 80s. I mean, especially even some of the music. But for me, when it comes to cars, I will go with the 90s only because I'm more of a tech guy. And so okay. like I love this, you know, the more current technology that, you know, started to be added into the vehicle. So I can appreciate, you know, the, the muscle car error. But, you know, when we start getting into navigation systems and heated seats and all of those, you know, creature comforts, then uh, now you're talking my language.
1: Okay, so that brings up a good one: resto mods. Like that's the best of both worlds. You said what what's that? Resto <laughs> mods. So, I know quite a few people mm-hmm. who will take like a '60s charger, like a '69 charger, Barracuda, something like that, mm-hmm. and then put in the things that you love, like the heated seats, the upgrade. Oh, okay. See so someone like
2: restored. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, Um, so it's got the modern suspension, modern interior. Yes. um, You know, modern, the things that we love about the cars today. Right. But still with the look and and the muscle of things back in the
2: 60s. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never heard it referred to as that. but, But yeah, I've come across a few vehicles and I'm like, wow, like what a great mashup. You know? Yeah. Yeah put in like a Tesla screen, you know, and like an old vet. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
3: So what, so what was, um, what were both of you all's first car?
4: <laughs>
3: well, my first car
1: was a 1977 Oldsmobile Tornado. However, uh, my first running car was 93 Mercury Villager.
2: Okay. All
4: right.
2: That's cool. Um, I I, I wish I could say I had the same experience of something so vintage. (laughs) But um, (laughs) mine was like super new. So I had a a 2002 Volkswagen Jetta in 2002. um, I really loved it. I mean, I was... So it was like, I went to the dealer looking for a Volkswagen Golf, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, but either way they presented that as an option and it was like the best car ever, you know, it was a manual transmission and yeah. you know, everything I was looking for. And like, I'm a fan of white, so it was like a white car and that just kind of like started a trend for me behind that, like having white cars. Nice.
0: I heard a, a rumor about the Jettas though. Is it true that they didn't come with turn signals or...
2: Oh wow! I've never heard that. Mine's definitely better. that's
3: BMW. <laughs> oh BMW! <laughs> Wait, so BMWs didn't come with a turn signal? <laughs> no, at some it's point? a joke. Oh, I was off for real. I was like, seriously? Yeah, this man. Is- I was like, <laughs> so, yeah, This is why I need y'all on here because I didn't know any of that. My first car was a 1989 Ford Tempo. Ford Tempo. So wow,
1: I remember that car.
3: Yeah, that an old lady had and She didn't hardly drive it at all. So when I got it, it had like, this is 2000 and let me see, 2002? Yeah, this is 2002 and it was an 89. So it had like, I don't know, 30, 40,000 miles on it. Yeah, I know, right? Unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna our... take
1: my car to church and the store <laughs> and that is it.
3: exactly. And the church and the store must have been on the same block as her because <laughs> <laughs>
2: so yeah, I'm that was to my the
1: store on the way home from church. Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. So what's that 12, uh, 13 years and she only put about 30, 40,000 miles on it? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Was it in good yeah. condition?
3: Um, it was in good condition considering the fact that we're, in, oh, well you, well, you know, yeah, it was in good condition, but it had a little bit of rust on the bottom, like, um, like on the, not on the body of the car, but underneath there was a little bit of rust. So apparently when she, if she ever did drive after it had snowed, there was a little bit of salt that she didn't wash off, I guess. Mm. So it was a little bit, but not when you consider we're talking Michigan and how those cars would rust up in no, you know, in no time, it was actually pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to remember, Chris. I don't know if I remember that car. What's funny is, um, this is kind of a side point, but I have to say, um, so growing up, when all of us in our age group started getting licenses and everything, and our little group of friends, uh, Chris was definitely my favorite person to ride with. Because I don't know if you remember, Chris, when we because we went, me and Chris went to the same high school. And so uh, there would be some times where I would ride with him to school and <laughs> he ha- he was driving this minivan. I don't remember what kind it was. The, yeah, the, that your, was your, the Villager. The Villager, yeah. So you was riding the Villager and man, w- we would be flying in that car. <laughs> <laughs> I would ride to work, like when I would ride to school with other people, uh, with an exception of my cousin, everyone just kind of rode slow, took their time and you kind of running late and whatever, which... I mean, it was school, so you didn't really care too much. But when I wrote with Chris, I knew we were going to get there in like 10 minutes, even though the school was technically, what, 20 minutes away? Easily. <laughs> wow. Chris would be flying, <laughs> flying. And I loved it. And then he had a music up. Um, if they ain't first, you're last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, cool. Yeah, I used to love that. Good. It was a good memory. Very good memories. But uh, yeah, he, Chris was definitely the speed demon. I'm assuming that's may may or may not be the case now. But
0: so
1: I I choose I pick my moments now. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's not everywhere. <laughs> it's not everywhere.
0: <laughs> so oh, when it comes to actual car guys, do people do they actually name their cars, or is that just something for uh, amateurs?
1: I do name my vehicles okay uh, yeah uh, yeah I've, every vehicle I've had has had a name.
0: what what uh, determines what that name is gonna be
1: um it for me it just depends on what type of vehicle it is um, where it's made um why I bought it um, just kind of the general attitude. I mean each car has its own personality. Uh, so you know the the car will speak to you and name itself.
2: It's it's odd but true. Um, I used to hear about people naming their cars, and I thought I used to look at them a little, you know, skeptical. But I guess over time I began to do the same thing, you know. And um, and it's true. Each vehicle, it's a lot of different contributing factors. I think as to what will impact what you name it. And so I, I picked up a new SUV in December towards Christmas. And I, it's been a while and I haven't figured out what I'm going to name it yet. I, I'm waiting to see when it's going to like tell me which way to go with it. But I haven't, you know, uh, given it a name just yet. But um, nice, yeah. very true. Always name my vehicles now.
0: Yeah, the only time, I've never even come close to naming a vehicle, but I did hate the first car I had for some reason. It was a Toyota Matrix. And then at one point, I was driving it down the road, and I was like, you know what? This is a pretty sturdy car. I like it. And then the check engine light came on, and, like, the timing belt had gone out. (laughs) Oh,
3: man.
4: (laughs) Wow. This is an expensive fix. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it always is. It's crazy. All right, so let's, all right, let's get a little bit more into the, the whole car factor. So, um, Chris, you already mentioned earlier, 60s for like the best cars. So um, what were some of your favorite cars that came out during that time? What is it about them that you liked? And are any of those cars still around today? Because some of them you mentioned I know are probably gone and then some are still yeah. around obviously they've been redone and what do you think about the modern versions of those cars if they're still around
1: okay well first that comes to mind is uh mustang like <laughs> gt 500 mach one um uh, you know just big motor small car uh and of course that car is still around uh and i like the new ones they're just really
3: expensive uh okay. for what you get um In my opinion, I'm looking at images while you're talking to. I'm just pulling it up so I can see. (laughs) I can get a visual. Uh, All right. Then, of course, there's Plymouth Roadrunner
1: is probably one of my favorite cars. Uh, Hemi Cuda. Uh, Yeah, Charger, Challenger. The new ones. I mean, I do like the new Challenger. I mean, I think they did a really good job Mm of. bringing the essence of that vehicle back and then giving it um, all the modern things, you know, modern engine and all the, you know, interior features and suspension, although it drives like a boat. Um, but Okay.
3: So you've actually, so you've, you've actually driven one.
1: yeah, Yeah. I've driven Challengers and Chargers and they, for the, for their, when you compare them to their modern competition, they like the Mustang and the Camaro, they don't drive quite, they don't handle quite as well. It's mm-hmm. just a completely different feel. Like a, a Charger and Challenger, it's either fast in a straight line or you're just cruising. Uh, Mustang and Camaro, you can go fast in a straight line, you can do corners and, and, and things like that, and it still holds its own. So it's a little bit of a different feel when it comes to the newer
3: ones, but um, I'll say Dodge did their thing on those. Okay. So you drove both the, like an old one, like from that, like from the era, like from the sixties? I haven't driven a
1: a sixties Cuda or Charger or Challenger. So if anyone (laughs) listening has one and wants to (laughs) offer one up, I would be more than happy to take you know take any offer up on that, um, but uh, no, just driving the newer ones. Okay, uh, and comparing them to the new Mustang and Camaro, uh, it's a little bit of a different feel.
3: Okay, so no, so out of the, all the cars you just mentioned, number one right now, what, what, if you had to pick one, if you someone was giving you one right now, what would be their number one pick? Uh, probably a Plymouth Roadrunner. Throw right. that's what you would take right now right now um and why that one over the other ones because you never see them. like they uh
1: really? i think oh. the last one that went through auction went for an obscene amount like high six figures low sevens so oh, okay you're, you're not you don't see them a lot out on the road and so if somebody's going to give me one, I'm going to take the most expensive one.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to see what the last year of that. Um, oh, it says production. So the last one was made in 80. If I'm reading yeah, this. Yeah, right. yeah, I wouldn't get one of those. You wouldn't get the 81. You would get Dude, one. from the. Know. Oh yeah. The eighties look like a, yeah, no, I can see that. Definitely see that. All right. Cool. And, um, Bray, what about you? Um, Um, your, your top car is right from your favorite. It can be from any time period.
2: Any time period, any time period, I would probably go with current, you know, um, vehicles being made with slight exceptions. So like my favorite brand is BMW. So, um, it's funny. I used to think that they were kind of overpriced for the amount of like plastic that, is in you know most models,
4: mm-hmm. but
2: um, well, let me start by saying, like, I, I'm in love with foreign cars, so um, it, it sounds like Chris is more so into maybe like American, you know, like muscle. Well, well, it depends, okay. Um, because growing up, um,
1: up until I moved out of Detroit, like when I was in Detroit, I was for whatever reason, it was odd, I was backwards when I lived in Detroit. I was all about foreign cars. Like I was right. BMW was my favorite Um, Porsche Lamborghini, you know, anything foreign or exotic was like the top of my list. But then I moved to California and then for whatever reason, my opinions changed. And then I got more into like American vehicles and trucks and muscle cars and, and things like that. So have okay. kind of been all over the board
0: i think i have a theory about that and it's something that aaron told me when he moved here is that you see a lot more older cars because there's no snow
3: yeah Ooh. that's yeah, interesting the, yeah it's funny because you don't you i feel like um like a lot of the cars they just get destroyed they just get eaten up by all the salt oh, yeah. and everything and so i feel like out here i see like you know, cars from the nineties that look just fine. Like they did when you first got, you know, when they, when they first made were were made and you didn't see that, at least I didn't notice that in Detroit. Again, this is just coming from the the non-car guy, but it's completely different, completely different. When you go out to the, the like the West coast, um, you just start seeing a lot more of the older cars that are in good shape, a lot more. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think it makes a difference. That's just my own personal two cents.
2: I never considered location being a factor as to whether or not you see more current versus, you know, older vehicles. But, um, but that, that's a, a interesting point of view. So it's like, um, cause like in my area, I do see a lot more of like the newest current vehicles. I mean, it's like Tesla's right down the street, Mercedes, BMW, Land Rover, like everybody's not too far away. And so that's essentially just what you see zooming around. Um, but like going back to your original question, like I do feel as though like early two thousands made like the best BMWs. Um, yep. so I have like a, a 2003, um, XI and that car just won't quit. <laughs> I mean, it's like I've had to definitely, you know, make some repairs on it, but it's kind of been like a mainstay. Like I've always gone through a lot of different vehicles, but that one's kind of stuck around for a while. And, um, but yeah, BMW by far is like uh like my favorite vehicle. So if I could, I would probably, which I can if I probably shouldn't, <laughs> I would, would do like a X5, um, M50 uh or like a Panamera Porsche. You like a Panamera. Yeah. So yeah. I have a few friends with it. And um it's like anytime I'm like around them and theirs, I'm like. All right, but just chalk it and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Caution to the wind, no children, just do it, you know. So what,
3: so what year, if you, if you did get that one, the Panamera that you mentioned earlier, what year would you get, the, the latest would, one?
2: Yeah, I would go new. Um, yeah, so I like the Panamera and also the, uh, the new Porsche Taycan, which is like a, you know, electric one. Electric Porsche, you know, so it's oh, very similar to the. Uh,
3: I think I have seen that
2: one. The Panamera, yeah, just slightly smaller, but um, but it is an EV electric one. Yeah,
3: yeah, I have seen this one.
2: So, yeah, but like the most current body style, of the Porsche, and like catches my attention. The like, car, you know, it's just really a sleek, aerodynamic car.
3: Nice. As you, I, I'm looking all these up as you're talking about Because I'm like, what is that? Yeah. I'm just, a, I'm yeah, serious. They're showing just...
0: me too. I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm like, what? How do you spell that? Fortunately, Google tells you like, what they're looking for. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what yeah. any of this stuff is. I'm, you know, I'm more of a tech nerd when it comes to this stuff. So I like the electric cars. And that's why I'm really, um, um, you know, I can keep up with the electric cars. Just because I, I'll view it like a big piece of tech. Yeah. But when it just comes to a car, car it's just like, meh, whatever. So what I
0: mean, if, how do you feel about the difference between electric cars and gas? Because I've driven a hybrid before when I rented a car and I didn't, I couldn't tell how fast I was accelerating. Uh, normally I kind of lean on the, the feeling of the engine, you know, kind of pushing.
2: Okay. They can definitely sneak up on you. I mean, and that's kind of something that I do like. Um, I mean, with BMW, you know, branding themselves as the ultimate driver machine. Like I can appreciate that all day, um, but when you do go into certain like electric cars and they drive so well, you know, like they still maintain like really good, um, like they they handle in the, on the road really well. And you can still kind of like feel the acceleration. You know, like I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I drove a Tesla S, uh, Model S, and that thing is like a rocket and it does not give you a warning as to how fast you're going. So that way, yeah, you got to totally be careful. (laughs) Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I mean, I do, I, I do appreciate the electric vehicles. Um, Like I know some buddies who I had some buddies who've had like a model S uh, work with some guys that, you know, I've had model S and model X and model three and, and like, I definitely appreciate the electric car, I'm just not. I'm gonna be late to the party on that one. Um, I'm, I'm still holding on to my internal combustion engines. <laughs> I'm not ready to let them go yet, uh, because.
4: Um, go ahead, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, even though like I know they're better, um, there's just nothing like the roar of a V8. Like I I just or, you know, even or just an inline six or or whatever engine that sounds good um, or being able to go in your garage and work on it as opposed to just hooking up a laptop to it and changing things. (laughs) Uh, It it just, you know, there's still there's still something to be said for that. So you don't want to just download the updates or whatever and be done with it. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I do. I mean, there are definitely some late nights when I've had busted knuckles and I'm tired and covered Mm -hmm. in oil and grease where it's like, Mm -hmm. I wish I could just download it and be done with it. Um, But then there's the sense of accomplishment when when you actually get it running and it's like, I did this. You know, this is my handiwork as opposed to you know, some coder in San Jose somewhere and just who emailed you an update and was like, oh, here, it's
0: fixed. (laughs) Speaking about this topic, we have a question from a listener that wanted about repairs. They said, what's the easiest repair upgrade or upgrade that ended up taking the longest time for you on a car? (laughs) Ah. To um, the easiest upgrade? Yeah, like it took a lot longer than it should have.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll let Chris take care of this one because I'm a dealer guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, The one that really
1: angered me was I had a 2008 Jetta. um, And it had the two liter turbo engine in it. So six speed manual uh it was a nice car leather seats everything but i decided i you know wanted to upgrade and make it go a little faster so i wanted to put start off with a cold air intake it's something everybody does first upgrade and i swear that was the germans retaliation for losing world war ii was them <laughs> sending us their cars because i had to go get new tools none of the Nothing matched up the way that it should have. It took me. Oh, it's usually like a 45 minute to an hour job. And it took me like four hours. And yeah, I was upset at life for quite some time.
3: Wait, and which car was this again? I had a 2008 Jetta. A Jetta. Okay. Because, you know, um, you know, Tommy, he has a an A. Wait, what does he have? Is it an A6 or an A4? I can't remember
0: now. I think he has a Honda, dude. No.
3: No. Yeah, he has an A6 and some basic things that um, he wanted to get done. He couldn't even do for his car just because for that very reason. Because, like, nothing was where. Like, I don't even think his car had, like, a dipstick in it,
2: at least one that was easily accessible yeah my mercedes is like that yeah like a way to just check the oil
3: yeah there's no way to check it i guess the i guess the car will tell you hey when it's time but for you to just check it and see where it won't it doesn't even have that right and, oh and that's just, engineering. And that's just, it's engineering yeah. it's like
1: you don't yeah. need to check it i will tell yeah. <laughs> you when it's time to go change it
2: hands off close my hood <laughs> um,
1: yeah. not for you nine <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I was just like, and yeah, some other things that he's run into that he's like, oh, I was about to do this myself, but yeah, it's it's not where it should be on most cars, well, where it is on most cars. So was like, yeah, that's what he ends up doing. I'm like, yep, I'll just stick. Well, my car is not exactly just, n- well, so I have a um, Chevy Volt, which I refer to as the poor man Tesla. Because <laughs> because okay. it run it runs on battery f- for up to well when it was new I think it was close to forty miles on battery, Ooh. and then what happens is after you get past that there's a, a an a engine on the car and it'll turn on and start recharging the battery. The cool thing is that your car is pretty much always running on battery, and the motor is only there to regenerate the battery.
4: Nice. So
3: it's it's pretty cool. It's a 2013. And uh it was so funny because my cousin sent me this video on TikTok, which I'll have to figure out if I can show. It. I don't know, I'll figure it out. But it's pretty funny because it's like um it shows people like lined up at the gas station, you know, from what happened this week. <laughs> and people with electric cars just driving by looking at them like, yep, <laughs> we ain't gotta deal with that. <laughs> As people fill up their plastic grocery bags with gasoline. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I've seen those videos uh,
4: yeah. already. It's, it's funny,
2: you know, the way uh you know all of those tesla owners are like laughing at us you know? yeah it so, wasn't the electricity
0: yeah. just out there too so i don't know like in texas
3: <laughs> i te- guess it depends on where you at you, <laughs> one way or the other you you will get got but right now i think the electric drivers are uh, for the most part are laughing in most places yeah but yeah well you know it's funny eventually you know we obviously know that that's where it's going so it, everything is going electric so you know there's going to be at some point an electric challenger probably an electric charger if they don't have one i think ford already talked about an electric mustang
1: yeah the mustang at least mach e it's not really a mustang but they anyway
3: yeah well yeah and that's what i'm saying so like so everyone who's like into muscle cars and stuff are just gonna they're gonna all be ticked off in like another 10 years because every car even those that are historically like you know, consider like the, the muscle cars or whatever, they're eventually going to go electric. So I don't know what you're going to do at that point, but,
0: uh, (laughs) not like I know too much about cars, but I know some people, they say that they can tell the difference between the sound of a motor. And I feel like that might almost be getting lost at this point.
1: Yeah. um, Like I can hear a car go down the street and tell you what kind of car it is. Sometimes even what year car it is.
0: That'll be like, that's I think crazy. it's either a Tesla or a vacuum cleaner. That a- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a Dyson uh, 2021 yeah. there.
3: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I think by, I think it's, I, and I don't remember the year. I want to say 2030. I think a lot of car companies have basically uh, pledged to say all every vehicle they make will be, um, I forgot the word they use for it, but basically they'll be electric. Yeah. So we're we're coming up. I mean that'll be here before you know it. So yeah. Uh, the only thing
1: like I know it's coming and and it's fine. Um the only thing I worry about is infrastructure at this point. Um
3: just for oh, as far as, as far as plugging it up,
1: yeah. Like charge like for people who go on long road trips and things like that. Um that's where electric cars kind of lag behind in my opinion is the ability to say i wanted to drive from chattanooga to miami there's a lot of middle of nowhere backwoods country places that aren't gonna have superchargers for my tesla and it would be difficult and then even if i do find a place to charge it to charge it from empty to full is an hour and a half, two hours. Whereas right now to fill up my gas tank, even in my truck, which has a close to 30 gallon gas tank, it's 10 minutes tops. So that's, that's kind of where the disconnect is for me is just being able to do things like that.
3: Yeah. And I think by, by the time we get to that point, I'm I know for a fact that the infrastructure should be ready for it in most places. Um, One would hope. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll have that figured out because they're they're competing right now. Because you think about it, Tesla is like the main; they're like in front right now. But when you right. start getting all these other major companies like you know Toyota and um, you know Mercedes, everyone starts going in that route. Then obviously the infrastructure is going to improve pretty quickly. But right now, it's almost like a it's I, I, it's almost like a one man show. Granted, several car companies are making electric vehicles right now, but everyone talks about Tesla. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. The Chevy uh, Bolt um, is an all electric vehicle that you can almost compare. You'd almost put it in the same class as a model uh, as a Model Three. Okay, and and yet. Um, There was a long wait time on the Model Three, and the boat you can go any to any dealership because they had them and they were just sitting there in the lot. Even they're comparable in some, in many ways. um, I don't know if they get the same updates that Tesla does with their cars because Tesla, I mean, they can shoot an update down and you know all of a sudden your self-driving is working, you know, and things like that. They update a lot of stuff. Yeah, they even up
0: a U two album in your in your uh, Tesla there.
3: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. They'll send you that album down. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. so I don't know. It's interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm curious to see how that's going to work, especially, like I said, with those other cars. And I'm curious to see if they keep the same design as some of those older cars. Because obviously, when you're dealing with electric, the idea is you want it to be aerodynamic. And some of those old cars just don't fit the bill, I don't think. Yeah. You know, they like have how how airbag- of a brick. Right, yeah. So, I'll be curious to see how they redesign that. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. And uh and Bray, what do you think about that uh have you seen the EQS?
2: I have. I have. What do you,
3: what do you think about it? You like the design? It's the Mercedes.
2: I do. So, um and it it really reminds me a lot of the Audi e-tron. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I I, I think I think they're on to something really great with it, but I don't really care for how low it sits. It's like, you know, is this a low rider? Is this an EV? You know, is it a luxury car? Like what? So they're really trying to bring something new to the market that mm-hmm. I think will confuse a lot of people. <laughs> so it's gotcha. like, it's, it's an awesome, you know, vehicle, but um it has to have some kind of familiarity for people to kind of get it, and it's almost like when Mercedes came out with the R class, then it's like a lot of people couldn't categorize it, and so it just didn't do so well, you know. Um, is it an SUV? That I in a
1: minivan? What is it?
2: Exactly, and it's like you know, at that time I worked for Mercedes, so I would drive the R class often enough. I mean, it was a blast to drive, but you know, it's not something for the single guy, you know, and. um and it was rather long even for, like, a mom with children. So, you know, the, it would easily be the last option chosen. If you just needed, like, a five-seater SUV or something like that, you would go with something that sat a little higher and a little bit easier to maneuver around but um, Awesome car, but I do like the EQS.
3: Yeah. Um. Let's just uh, switch gears for a quick second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um. Wow. <laughs> Chris, yep. Chris, tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit about um air traffic control oh, you i had wanted... some
0: more questions about the cars from the audience real quick yeah oh. no
3: we'll let's come back to that oh, okay, we'll, we'll, come that to okay. You know, yeah, we'll come back to the questions okay no yeah we'll come back to the question because i want to make sure that they both stay engaged the whole time so we, we're going to be throwing questions at both of you but um
4: oh, <laughs> well, let me,
3: let, but let's switch over to air traffic control real quickly so tell us a little bit about it how did you get into it first of all like and okay. what made you choose that? And then it, I honestly tripped and fell into it. Um, it
1: wasn't, I heard of, that
0: test is really hard though.
1: It was, uh, and there's a whole story, um, that I don't know if we have time for, but it, it, it's a funny story of me going to take the test. Um, but it was one of those things where I was selling cars, um, and I was looking to get out of the dealership life. And and someone sent my mom an email saying that the government was hiring air traffic controllers. And so she forwarded it to me and it looked like one of those Nigerian Prince emails mm-hmm. where, you know, send us your information and then we'll give you a job. Um, but at that point it was like, I don't have anything to lose. So, you know, if it'll cost them more to steal my information than what they will get out of me. So let's see what happens. And then, uh, long story short, I started the process, took the test and, and got in and I've been yelling at pilots for the last 13 years.
3: Nice. All right. So tell us what is, what is a typical day in the life for you? What do you do when you come in? What exactly does your job entail? Coffee, lots and lots of coffee. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Understandable. Uh,
1: yeah, it so it at the uh, facility that I work at, it's what we call an up down facility. So we have the tower portion and a radar portion. So, depending on the day, I may work in the tower, which consists of talking to the airplanes that are in the immediate vicinity of the airport. So that's you're cleared for takeoff, cleared to land. Uh, getting to the terminal or out to the runway or, you know, just things like that. Um, and then if I'm in the radar room, uh, that's more dealing with airspace getting, um, cause you have all these planes that are converging on an airport uh, and there's only so much pavement to put them on. So it is the radar controller's job to sequence these airplanes so that they don't run into each other um, and they land safely. And then the same thing going out, you have all these planes that are trying to leave the airport and, you know, they want to go North, South, East, West. um, And you want to make sure that they get up to their appropriate altitude and on their way
3: safely. So that's kind of what we do there. Uh, So, Random question. I just thought about this. Let's just say a plane arrives to the vicinity of the airport earlier than it should. Does that does it allow you to put them in queue right away, or do they just basically need to wait? Like, look, y'all weren't supposed to be at a twelve thirty. It's twelve fifteen. You will wait. I'm on (laughs) break. How does
4: that work?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm on break, and I don't come back until um, no, no. If they show up early, we. We deal with them as they come. I mean, uh, okay. that happens on a fairly consistent basis. Okay, uh, just depending on the time of day, what else is going on, they may get shortcuts or just decide to fly fast that day. Um, okay, and you know, pilot, it's his last leg of a four-day trip. They're ready to get home. They're they're gonna punch it.
3: So yeah. Yeah. They, there's no speed limits in the sky, is there? well, yes and no
0: <laughs> the sound uh, barrier breaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes I mean, don't... No. <laughs> um
1: it it just depends um but we I mean it's not like we we're not the police, we don't have you know you're not gonna issue a citation. you were going too fast um but uh, there are certain areas where there are speed restrictions where we, we just don't want them going that fast. Uh, like, especially below certain altitudes, uh, just because okay. maneuverability gets a little, uh, harder to handle and, and it's usually a little bit more congested. So, um, we don't want things converging at 700 miles an hour. Um,
3: uh, makes sense.
1: Yeah. That, that gets a little hard to handle at times, but, uh,
3: yeah. Have, have have you had any crisis that you had to kind of try to avert, or anything that came close to happening that
0: you can share? How scared should we be Day. flying? Is all I want to know.
1: <laughs> you should not
0: be scared for flying. Um, <laughs> like it's
1: it's one of the safest modes of transportation, um, but just like with any other mechanical or human built contraption. Uh, Every once in a while, there are issues um, like, or just human error, Pilots or sometimes controllers are not doing the appropriate things. And sometimes things do happen. Uh, I've had a um, plane, this was a, a home built plane. Um, and he left the airport, got up oh, to about 3,000 feet, and then he called back to the tower and was like, my door fell off. And
3: <laughs> that's not funny, but it is, but it's it, not. No,
1: it, it was pretty funny, like, because he just said it. Like, you know, it was no big deal. Uh, yeah, tower, my door just fell off. Uh, it's in a field of cows.
2: I'll oh, come man. back later
1: and get it. Um, yeah, he kept going on about his merry way.
3: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen and heard just about everything. Um, yeah, just anything and everything you can imagine when it comes to airplanes. It's it's just one of those things. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of things that we heard and tell ourselves, like, sometimes we are the last voice that one will hear on this earth. Um, You know, they know that the plane's going down. There's nothing they can do. And, you know, we're going to, we're, it's our job. Like, Oh, tell my mama, I love her. That's kind of serious. Yeah. um, That part of the job I wouldn't like. Yeah. um, And then there's other times where, you know, we're just that, calming voice that uh talks them you know something's happening and and they just need someone to help talk them through it either they're you know low on fuel and trying to find an airport and it's foggy and and you know we're we talk them through it and they get down on the ground and you know they you know step out and kiss the ground next you know they're calling the tower telling us thank you thank you thank you oh my god you know you saved our life and 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 it's a that that more than makes up for any of the the tragedies that you know we rarely have to deal with. Um, just knowing that you know we help somebody in a in a tight situation. Dude,
3: man, I can't even imagine that is. But that's good though. That's awesome. It's that it is, much like needed. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I am a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So like all the stories you hear about air traffic control, like those, like,
3: I love it. Wow. Dude, that's crazy. Um, we did have a few. You want to uh, throw on throw one of the questions for the air traffic uh, controller?
0: One of if the questions? Have. Let me see. It's hard now. I mean, they're not really, they don't take that long. Everyone's interested in what your bathroom schedules are like. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um you see we got the most random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um <laughs> whenever
1: you can go in the company dime it's always better. Um, no, uh what, cause we do we have a, a a team of controllers that works in in every facility. So we we do get regular breaks. So, okay. so it, it's not we're we're not locked into a radar scope or our our tower for eight hours. Um, we we do get pretty regular breaks, so we we get to go eat um, and recaffeinate as necessary.
3: <laughs> so, got you. That's that's important.
0: And then another one is the best airport to be an aircraft traffic controller and the worst airport.
1: That's a tough question because it it just depends on what you like what you're into I mean it there could be so many different factors that go into that like um worse for me I would think probably something like my not north dakota um It's cold and Um, snowy and, and there's nothing else to do. And it's not that busy. Yeah. That would be probably the worst airport. Um, the best airport for me would probably be something close to the beach. Um, Daytona, Pensacola, Charleston. Nice. Uh, And that's where
3: you started, right? In Cali, didn't when you first started
1: yeah, I started off in uh, Livermore, California. Not, it wasn't too far from the beach. I was probably about uh, forty miles east of San Francisco.
3: Oh, okay, got you. Okay. Um,
1: so it, it it was a great place. Like I loved California, besides how expensive it was to live there. Um, but just being, you know, in the foothills of the mountains and. Uh, then so close to San Francisco and the beach, and or driving down to you know the coast, doing uh, the Pacific Coast Highway, or or there was just so many different things to do, to, just depending on what I felt like doing that day. It was pretty awesome. And then the airport I worked at was pretty cool. Uh, we got to see a lot of interesting aircraft. We got a lot of vintage airplanes in. Uh, world war ii aircraft and they would come in and and show off you know they just old guys with too much money in their
3: pockets and <laughs> to burn so nice all right cool um let's go back to our car questions
0: what um what... i had one more oh boy how many times a day do you say ground control to major tom <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Um, once again that depends
1: (laughs) it it just depends
3: Um, (laughs) I should have known
1: because air traffic controllers are mainly type A personalities so you, you just have to get the right moment to do it and then of course everybody starts laughing but if you do it in the wrong moment then it's like you know, grumble, 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 go away. Don't talk. <laughs> so, um,
3: yeah, you just have to pick your moments. Okay. <laughs> that is funny. So what's so, what's one of our, what's another one of our car questions? So we, we still had a couple of more of those, right?
0: Yeah. Our car questions is Toyota or Honda. And why did you pick Toyota? <laughs> oh,
2: <goodness. laughs> <That sounds awful. laughs> oh, God. sounds awful. Oh, God. Interesting mashup. Um, So I wouldn't choose Toyota. (laughs) Neither would I. Yeah, no. I mean, and I'm like kind of anti, you know, like those more frequently seen brands. But I mean, I would go with Honda all day.
1: Yeah. If I would definitely go. I used to work for Honda. So um, I'm definitely more of a Honda guy. Uh, Toyota, like to me, you buy a Toyota if you just need transportation. You buy a Honda if you actually enjoy driving, but you want you still
3: you can't afford a BMW yet. That will be the category I'm usually in. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, just get a nice little Civic and you good. You are good to go. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of them out here too. <laughs> oh, a yeah. lot. A Everyone
2: lie. has one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay. Interesting
2: take on it though. You know, like you said, like going with a Honda, if you can't get to the next level, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, versus like Toyota, but um, I mean, I like the reliability. That's undeniable, you know, on both of the brands. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's just like, if I can pluck the door closed, that's a problem. Like, and I just don't get weight and sturdy and stability with any of them. You know, it's like, it always takes me back to like my German engineering. So, um, you know, with those, I feel like I'm in a vault. You hear the door close, and, you know, you get, like, that nice. The pressure on your ears changes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, it's like I need to feel that I'm in something safe. So, if somebody, you know, hits me head on or in any, you know, sad position, then it's just like I can feel, you know, have that peace of mind, you know. And that's why I drive a truck. <laughs> Actually. Nice.
1: My truck. Is, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And the last one for the cars was the biggest car repair pet peeve, which I think you had talked about the German engineering stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, my biggest pet peeve, um, is probably, um, service techs who think they know more than they do. Um, because uh, every once in a while, I will take one of my vehicles in for service. Um, you know, something is if something goes wrong that I don't quite know how to handle, and or just want a second opinion on, I'll ask him, and then they treat me like, oh no, you definitely need to spend one thousand dollars here with us to get this fifty-dollar part fixed, and. So it, it, that drives me up a wall. Um, that's probably like the biggest thing to get me to never come back to your dealership ever again.
3: Okay. So you go to the dealer
1: for everything. No, 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 no. I go only if I need
3: to. Gotcha. Okay. But you'll do it yourself otherwise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If it's something simple that I can do in either in my garage or in a, in my yard, then I'll do it. But if it requires more than that, then I'll take it in.
3: All right. And Bray, you uh, seem like you agree. Would you say the same thing? Same pet peeves?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about as far as like repairs, um, then yeah, I'm 1000% there with you. I mean, it's like, I, I hate dealing with the service advisors that are, you know, super overconfident and yet they're clueless. So they're pretty much just the interpreters of what the technician found. And sometimes they don't know how to give it back to the consumer in verbiage that they can understand, you know, and they also, I feel like they, they, they try to talk a language even that's very ambiguous so that you won't see that you can get this repair done without having to, you know, repair all of the rest of these components, you know, so they'll just Mm -hmm. kind of give it to you in a bundle. And act like, yeah, you know, this is what's going to take care of your issue. But if you kind of like drill down a little bit more and ask a few more probing questions, then you'll realize, well, you could just get that part, you know, and maybe just have somebody else put it on yourself or, you know, maybe just get that one little smaller service done. So, you know, I I hate the fact that, you know, certain technicians, they try to wrap it up really quickly and get the car out of the shop. And then it's a partnership between them and the service advisors. And so because everybody's more than likely getting a commission off of the deal then the service advisors, they don't explain it effectively to the consumer and they normally don't have their best interests at heart. And my store, right? So while I worked for <laughs> Mercedes, then um, I did marketing for them. And sometimes I might help out with their, you know, like recall um, campaigns, you know, to kind of like get that out to customers. But just, you know, like my office was near the service department. And it was this one service advisor. And, you know, he was like, The highest earning one, but he no lie was he dealt so treacherously with the customers. I mean, it was ridiculous, like the type of, you know, repairs that he would sell to the customer. You know, they were always super expensive. And, you know, most persons that are driving and use Mercedes, they're in it for the long haul because they just love the craftsmanship. They don't mind the repair costs. So he already knows that they're going to buy whatever he's selling. But he would just take, you know, extreme advantage. And so just having that background knowledge, you know, has always made me cautious, even though I do, you know, prefer to take my vehicle to the dealer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a quick stealership story, too. <laughs> <Steelership>. um, <laughs> yeah. Um, my truck, I had um, airbag, airbag light came on and I read the code or whatever. So I, I knew what it was. And but it's one of those things where I didn't feel like doing it. So I took it into my local dealership to see what they would charge me to do it. And um, like, I already knew what the part costs. kind of had an idea of what it would take to do it. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, that, that part's going to cost you $300 and it's four hours of labor and, and all this other stuff. So yeah, you're, you're looking at a, a good, you know, out the door and so of course I was like give me my keys I'm out of here that's not going to happen so I ordered the part on Rock Auto for $80 and installed it in the parking lot at work in 30 minutes so I was like and they had the nerve to call them well never mind I won't name drop them that's fine (laughs) (laughs) but their, their name was it was quite ironic. Hmm.
0: So what advice would you give then? I guess this is kind of wrapping it up, but what advice would you give to, uh, what kind of research do you think someone should do that maybe isn't into cars to help themselves not get ripped off, uh, when they're getting repairs done?
1: Um, Google, Google is a big, uh, help YouTube. You can find, especially if you have a, relatively popular vehicle. Um, you can usually find a, a lot of the simple repairs on YouTube that will tell you step-by-step step what you need to do. Um, if you're, if you are mechanically inclined um, and, and if not, um, get you a friend who is, um, <laughs> this is someone like who can at least you, uh, tell you that if what they what the dealership is telling you sounds legitimate? Does it sound reasonable? Um, because there is still a lot of that old school, oh, there's a, a woman coming in. I'm going to tell her that she needs A, B, C through Z and she's going to spend it because there's nobody to tell her that she you know shouldn't um there are still people who like to take advantage of of things like that so um yeah so if if you aren't mechanic you know don't know anything about them find someone who you know you can shoot a text to give a phone call like hey my car's doing this and they say i need this and it's going to cost me this what does that sound like
2: so That's very true. I would say definitely go in, you know, sadly, with a defensive, you know, attitude, because no matter how nice they are and how kind and how much they smile, you know, the loaner car that they may give you, you know, while your car is being serviced, at the end of the day, they're out to make money. And so, you know, um, if your vehicle is out of warranty, I would say definitely go in there with the idea that, you're looking to at least just get your vehicle diagnosed, you know, now what you take with that information is totally up to you. Then you take it back, definitely Google, um, you know, do your research because like Chris mentioned, it could be a simple fix that you could, you know, take care of on your own, you know, go on rock auto or any other FCP or any other site, you know, and grab the parts and uh, you know, have a local mechanic install it for yourself. But um, even when like certain, you know, warning lights pump on your dashboard, don't just be quick to run to the dealership. Do your research, you know, pull out the owner's manual, see what it is. You know, it might be something that you go to a local auto repair place for and get a bulb replaced, you know, something so simple. And yet, the dealership, you know, it might be three figures, you know, for that to be resolved. So definitely taking, you know, some time and like looking into it yourself before. But when you walk in, definitely have a defense move mm-hmm. about how you handle it because, um, I mean, case in point, they'll sell you tires, you know? I mean, every tire I normally have on a vehicle is like a a big 19, 20-inch, you know, performance tire. And so, I mean, if you're doing all four tires, you're easily at like $2,000, you know? But um, I was just now recently returning a lease and I knew I needed tires, but I'm like, it just didn't sit well with me to put $2,000 on a car that I'm giving back. Mm -hmm. So I, you know- pulled up, Googled, you know, the type of tire that I was looking for and used, and um, I found a place in North Jersey, so for me, it was maybe, like, an hour drive. I drove there, and between that and installation, it was, like, maybe, like, 300 bucks, and so I easily just saved, like, 1,700 over what the dealer was trying to charge me, Mm -hmm. and and these things were, like, super fresh, you know, so... If you do your research and you don't mind, you know, putting a little bit of time, you'll save them a ton of money.
1: Oh yeah. Um, and like with him, Brady made me think like check engine lights. Autozone and advanced right. auto will check those for free. Mm-hmm. Whereas most dealerships, it's an hour of labor just to plug a tool in to tell you what the code says, and then they're like, Oh, the code says this, and and, and AutoZone will do it for free. Um, and even you can buy a cheap scan tool that at least should get you started on Amazon for 25, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. So if you're driving an older car that, you know, may start getting into that, um, time period where check engine lights are starting to come on and things like that, you know, it, it may, uh, be in your best interest to, you know, throw 30 bucks at amazon get yourself a scan tool so at least you have an idea of where to start when you know whether it's something simple you can take to a friend or do it yourself or do you want to go in and, and have the dealership do it
2: mm. well, very true very true
0: well thanks yeah because i i thankfully my dad knows a lot about this stuff so he'll help me research it and stuff. But if I wasn't, man, I'd probably be <laughs> paying $1,500 just to get my windshield wipers replaced. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Dude. Now Google is your best friend. And, um, like for the vote, I'm a little bit more picky about that car because I'm, I'm definitely at the dealership with that car and I'm looking everything up and asking questions. So I've run into that problem. Cars I've had before, it depending on what the issue was, but for that car, just because of how, um, unique that car is I'm, i don't play around with that one that one goes to the dealership for the most part but no i agree and um i've run into that too where i've had to look stuff up i'm like no the vote says this and this in the owner's manual so what y'all tell me is not the case and then they'll come back i've i've, I've almost gotten charged because one time they wanted to flush out some type of coolant system I, apparently the about ba- the battery has a coolant system or something and they wanted to flush it out. And I looked and I was like, no. That, and I can't remember what I saw. But whatever it was, it was like, that does not have to get done right at this point where you are with the car. So I went back and told them and let them know. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. This is a, this is a service done at, you know, 150,000. I mean, they changed their tune quick. But if you don't know what you're talking about, they will absolutely take advantage of you. And I didn't really I knew that, but I didn't experience it too much until this car, because, like I said, with this one. You, you, you want to make sure you take it somewhere where they know what they're doing. You don't want to mess around with that when you're dealing with these hybrids and stuff. So, um, Hey, really quickly, Bray, you had mentioned something and I just want to ask you this real quickly. Uh, leasing, um, do you lease kind of like as a way to see if you actually want to get the car later on or do, is it more of like, you just want to kind of test it out? Like what makes you to choose to lease over a
2: buying? That's a really loaded question. Um, (laughs) only because so in, in working with my clients, like I determine what their buying motives are, you know, but nine times out of 10, I'm not a fan of purchases. Um, I mean, the the vehicle just depreciates so much, especially if you're looking to go new, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're going used, then, you know, that has its benefits, but you're still picking up someone else's, you know, previous driving habits, which could have been good or bad. Um, but when it comes to leasing, um, I'm definitely a fan of it. It's something that I totally recommend, you know, to all of my clients. And um, I like like it the most because it helps you to avoid high repair costs because for mm-hmm. the term of the lease, it's always covered under warranty as well as um, it allows you to kind of like stay current with technology. And so those are like some of my normal, you know, motives for turning over vehicles is because i'm in love with you know the different updates that are constantly coming out but i don't want to deal with the headache of having to repair it you know down the line if i've kept it for like seven eight years so Mm -hmm. it's a really good way to kind of like you know keep your feet wet with what's current but um protect yourself also from high repairs nice yeah i could i can definitely appreciate that yeah
3: I agree with
1: you 100%, except for I'm one of those people who void warranties. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, usually the first thing I'm I'm doing is like ripping out emission stuff and gutting this and, and taking this off. So usually me and leasing don't get along um, <laughs> because I don't want to take back something that, you know, I
3: was like, oh, here this isn't the same car you...
4: <laughs>
3: it's in there somewhere. Um, they should be thanking you when you bring that lease back. Yeah, you are like, right. look, I, I went seventy five thousand miles over my mileage limit, but <laughs> but <laughs> it's coming back with more horsepower than it left with.
1: Right.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure they'll love that. That's hilarious. Like, but that one have
2: a lift kit on it,
3: <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man. Guys, I have to say, I first of all, thank you all. I'm going to thank you both for um, for coming on this episode. I think I might have kept you a little bit longer than what I originally said. So I don't want to take up too much of your evening. But I want to, uh, yeah, thank you for coming with us. And
1: yeah, thank you for you having
3: en- Yeah, if you enjoyed Thanks. this, yeah, man, we would love to have you all back uh, again. Because there's so many more things that I, like, I can already see based on your responses that we could have really got deeper into. And oh, just yeah. you know, yeah, there's so much more. So I, I would love to have you all back again, and um, and you know, pick your brains a little bit more on on this. But for this episode, you know, we won't torture you all. Is there anything else that y'all wanted to? Sorry, if there's anything else that y'all wanted to add in, you have any plugs for anything that you do, um, or anything else that you wanted to throw out there before we before we wrap this one up.
4: No,
1: I need to get a side hustle, but for now, like I said, if anybody has
2: any cool cars
1: they need me to there drive. You go. <laughs> I'm your guy.
2: Okay. All right. I feel the same way. It's like um, I'm always offering my car sitting services. You know, if you're out of town and you've got car sitting, yes. <laughs> you got a really nice AMG you need to take care of.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Then, um, you know, I'm your guy. But, uh, but no, it's been a pleasure, you know, being here with you guys and talking over like that's my favorite topic in the world is cars, um, in, in particular, luxury vehicles. But um, I mean, yeah, anytime you want to, you know, have us back and dig in deeper, I'm, I'm all for it.
3: Yeah, definitely, we will. And I, I, I think I'll, I'll have a better idea of more like more specific questions to ask because I'm learning. I'm kind of learning on this on this. Uh this first uh, episode i'm just learning it a lot. just taking it all in so i appreciate that and it's cool because you all both have even though you both love cars it's like y'all have you all coming at it from two different angles yeah yeah and that's oh. what i really and that's what i was hoping for and that's kind of what i guessed too and that's why i was like this would be good to have y'all both on there so this is this is really cool so um so again thank you all for uh for coming
1: no no problem thanks for having us look forward to the next time
0: yeah yeah this has been two Crazy Scoops Podcasts with your hosts, AO and Antino. And we'll give a special thanks to NA for pushing our buttons today. So we'll see you guys next time. And I, I actually, I'm not even hearing music right now either because I haven't put it in yet. So I'm going to have to create the, the, the ending music. So we'll just pretend <laughs> that it's here right now. <laughs> <laughs>